Well, good morning, folks, and it's good to be with you. And if you have a Bible and you want to turn to Genesis chapter 3, that'd be great, please. Just going to mention one or two items. I should have maybe asked the leadership of the church, but I took the liberty of putting a few leaflets on the table there at the back. But um, if you'd like to know, pray for the faith mission on a regular basis. Our prayer diary is there on the table at the back, and it just gives you a little bit of information about what the different workers are involved in. And there's a map in the middle there, just tells you where all the different workers are placed in England and Scot- Ireland and uh, Scotland. And then if you'd like to think about, or if you know somebody who would be interested in doing some Bible college training, that's a little leaflet there about our Bible college in Edinburgh and the different courses that are available. And then if you'd like a holiday in Edinburgh, there's a, I know it's a long way from here, but there's a convention on every year. And it's just a Bible weekend, uh, well, a full week of Bible teaching. And you could make a holiday out of it and get some Bible teaching as well. And then for those of you who are praying for us uh, as we go out each week, we really, really do appreciate it. Um, just brought a little li- uh, list of some of the meetings that's coming up for myself and Ruth. And then some of the folks that we've met here in Painton and in other places uh, that you can pray for. So that's all the announcements over, and uh, we'll just turn to uh, Genesis chapter 3, and uh, I feel my sermon has already been preached by the puppets, but anyway, (laughs) we'll we'll have a a go again and uh, look at this passage. Genesis chapter 3, and we just commence reading at verse 1. Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Has God indeed said... You shall not eat of every tree of the garden. And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the tree of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden. God has said, You shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. Then the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die. For God knows in the day that you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes, a tree to be desired to make one wise, she took of of its fruit and ate. And she gave to her husband her, and he ate. Then the eyes of both of them were open. They knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves coverings. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the cool of the garden, sorry, the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife, hid themselves from the presence of God among the trees of the garden. Then the Lord God called to Adam and said to him, Where are you? And he said, I heard your voice in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, and I hid myself. And he said, Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten of the tree of of which I commanded that you should not eat? Then the man said, The woman whom you gave to be with me, she gave me of the tree, and I ate. And the Lord God said to the woman, What is this that you have done? And the woman said, The serpent deceived me, and I ate. And then just down to verse 21, please. Verse 21. And also for Adam and his wife, the Lord God made tunics of skins and clothed them. Then the Lord said, God said to him, Behold, the man has become like one of us to know good and evil. And now, lest he put out his hand and eat and take off the tree of life and eat and live forever. Therefore the Lord God sent him out of the garden of Eden 
to till the ground from which he was taken. So he drove them out the man, and, and he placed cherubim at the east of the Garden of Eden, and a flaming sword which turned every way to guard the way to the tree of life. Let's just have a brief word of prayer before we look at this passage. Father Lord, we just thank you for this passage of your word. We thank you for what we can learn from it. And we thank you, Lord, as we come to this and as we think about the subject of temptation. We thank you, Lord God, that you are a mighty God. We thank you that we are more than conquerors through him that loved us and gave himself for us. We thank you, Lord, that you have given us your Holy Spirit that might know and experience victory over temptation. And Father, as I look at this passage this morning, uh, we just pray that the thoughts I will share from it will be a help to others, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. As Steve has already said, we want to look at the subject of temptation. And each one of us, whether we're a Christian or not this morning, will face temptation from the very time of birth right through to the time of our death. And I want to look at this passage and see what lessons we can learn from Adam and Eve's mistake uh, so that we can not fall into the same trap. Uh, Oscar Wilde famously said he could resist everything but temptation. And I think we're all in the same boat. And as we look at this passage this morning, I want to mainly focus upon Eve. Uh, but Adam is just as guilty here in this passage of Scripture. Adam and Eve sinned against God. They broken uh, that wonderful relationship they had with God in the Garden of Eden. And that sin has passed down to us uh, to this ver very day. We read there in Romans 12, verse 1. Therefore, just as by, through one man sin entered the world and death through sin, so that death is passed upon all men. So we've inherited that sinful nature. But let us look at the first thing, or the first mistake, if you want to call it that, that uh, I believe Eve made. And I believe she was listening to the wrong voice. And the puppets have already referred to that this morning. Eve made the mistake of listening to the devil instead of listening to God. She listened to the devil and allowed him to control her thoughts. And we often do the same. Maybe this been here this morning and you're listening to the devil and he's whispering into your uh, mind accusations and, and, uh, and he's coming with his fiery darts. Maybe for somebody here this morning, the devil is coming to you and telling you that you're useless. You're nothing. You never will be anything. You never have been anything. You're a nobody. God doesn't care about you. You're nothing and you never will be anything. The devil will come sometimes with discouraging thoughts like that. And when maybe you pray, the devil comes and says to you, you're talking to yourself. There is no God. And if there is a God, he's not going to listen to your prayers. And I wonder, do we allow the devil's lies to, to influence our minds and control us? Do we allow him to discourage us? Or do we verbally rebuke him in the name of Jesus when he comes with those thoughts? Do we say, get thee behind me, Satan, in the name of Jesus? Because it's only in the name of Jesus that we will experience victory over temptation and against the devil's attacks. I wonder, do some of us allow the devil to whisper into our minds, you're an ugly person, you're stupid, you're a fool for believing in God. See, we need to remember, we need to be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might, as it says in Ephesians 6 and verse 10. Some of us here this morning suffering from an inferiority complex because somebody has been putting you down for years. Perhaps a parent, a husband or somebody else in order to make themselves look better. Maybe your talents, your gifts, your abilities have been put down and you've been made feel inferior because the other person is trying to make themselves look better. Are you listening to the wrong voice this morning? 
Eve was listening to the wrong voice. And we need to listen to God's voice. God says that we are precious in his sight. We're, made in, uh, we're, he, we're loved with an everlasting love. We have the potential to become the child of God this morning if we're not already. The Bible says if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. He will forgive us. And if you're not a child of God this morning, you can come to Jesus and put your trust in him and seek his forgiveness. And if you are a child of God this morning, if you have come to that point in your life where you've accepted the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, where you've re recognized that you're a sinner, where you've repented or turned from, to, from your sin to God, where you've received that forgiveness, then you are a child of God. And you can say, I am accepted in the Beloved. I am bought with a price. I belong to God, as it says in 1 Corinthians 6 and verse 13. I have been redeemed. I am forgiven of my sins. I am complete in Christ, as Colossians 2 and verse 9 says. In Christ we are secure. I am free from condemnation, as Romans 8 and verse 1 and 2 tells us. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh. We can stand upon that promise there in Romans 8, that nothing can separate us from the love of God. We are hidden with Christ in God, as in Colossians 3 and verse 3. For ye were dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. We are citizens of heaven, it tells us in Philippians 3 and verse 20. We are not given a spirit of power, but uh, not, a, uh, not given a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind, it says in 2 Timothy 2 and, uh, verses 7. Do you see this morning when Christ, we are significant. We are the personal witnesses of Christ, it tells in Acts. You are my witnesses. You shall be witnesses unto me in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the earth. We are the God's temple this morning, it tells us in 1 Corinthians 3 and verse 16. We are seated with Christ in the heavenly realms. He has raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places. We can approach God with confidence, it tells us there, a freedom and confidence, it tells us in Ephesians 3 and verse 12. Tells in Philippians 4 verse 13, we can do all things through Christ which strengthens us. If you're a child of God here this morning, you do not need to listen to the lies of the devil. You need to say, I resist you, Satan, in the name of Jesus, my Lord and my Savior. So Eve listened to the wrong voice. And it's interesting as we look at this passage of Scripture. In verse 1, the devil cast doubt upon the word of God. Did God say? Does God's word say? And is that not what the cults, and is that not what many people do today? They cast doubt upon the word of God. And then in verse 4, the devil blatantly denies the word of God. The serpent says, you will not surely die. He blatantly denies the word of God. He tries to call God a liar. In chapter 2 and verse seven, uh, 17, God says, you shall die. If you sin, if you disobey, if you don't do what I ask, you shall die. And then in chapter 3 and verse 4, the devil says, you shall not die. And then we see in chapter 3 and verse 3, uh, here they're adding to scripture, adding to God's word. It says here, you shall not touch the tree. God never mentioned anything about touching the tree very dangerous thing to add to the word of God. In fact, in Revelation 22 and verse 18 and 19, we're warned not to add to the word of God. 
So whose voice was Eve listening to? And whose voice are you listening to? Eve was listening to the voice of her own desires. She was listening to the voice of the devil. And she was deceived. And we need to ask ourselves, how do we know God's voice? Well, God leads, but the devil drives. He's always pushing. He's always forcing. He's always continuing to try and get us to do things against God's will. God leads with a still small voice. So Eve was listening to the wrong voice. She didn't put on the helmet of salvation. She didn't resist the devil. The second thing, the first mistake she made was she was lingering in the wrong place. Now you might say she was in the Garden of Eden. She was in the center of God's will. Yes, that's correct. But she was so near that tree she could see it. And we need to ask ourselves, what do we linger near that could ruin our lives, ruin our families, ruin our homes? What are we lingering near? How close do we come to be lingering in the wrong place? We need to flee from temptation, not flirt with temptation. And that's what a lot of Christians do. They flirt with temptation, and before they know it, they give in to temptation. As you think about the past week, what sort of company have you been keeping? Where have you been? Would Jesus go there? Would you be happy if everybody here knew where you've been in the past week and the company you've been keeping? Or would you be embarrassed? Would you be red-faced? Would you be ashamed? Would you blush in shame? Eve was lingering. She was lightering or hanging around the wrong place. Eve was lingering in the wrong place and she, she was keeping the wrong company, so to speak. Here she was, she was speaking to the devil who was casting doubt upon God's word and denying the truths of God's word. And we need to be careful that we do not keep company with those who cast doubt upon the word of God and deny the very truths of God's word. Where do we linger? Where do we spend our time? Do we linger at the feet of Jesus as Mary did and she, and she learned from him? Or do we spend time in places of temptation and danger? Now we need to remember Eve was in the center of God's will. She was in the Garden of Eden where God wanted her and where God placed her. And we need to remember even if we are in the center of God's will, where we are and where God wants us to be, we will still face temptation. Just because we face temptation doesn't mean we've stepped out of God's will. It may be the case, but it's not always the case. Here is Eve and she was in the center of God's will and she faced temptation. Another thing we notice about Eve is she was looking at the wrong thing. She was looking at the tree. She was looking at the fruit. What are we looking at? What are we allowing to influence our minds? Are the things that we look at wholesome? Are the magazines we read wholesome? Are the TV programs, the things we watch on our computers, are they wholesome? Do we allow violent scenes, bedroom scenes, pub scenes, immorality to influence our minds and the minds of our children? See, Eve was looking at the wrong thing and it led to her sinning against God. And how many of our, our most popular soaps, whether it be Carnation Street or Emmerdale or whatever, how many of these are subtly or blatantly promoting views which are anti God, 
which are anti-Christian, which are contrary to God's laws. We need to ask ourselves, are we preparing the ground for moral failure in our lives? See, many already commit the sin in their minds before they commit the, sin, the act in their body. As you think about some of the most popular TVs and pro, on pro, or programs on our television today, they portray homos, uh, homosexuality, immorality as acceptable. They use bad language. The, their characters are constantly fighting and arguing. Their characters are, use rude and suggestive talk. Is this how we should spend our leisure time? Allowing these people to sh change, change and shape our minds and our thoughts and how we act and how we think? Is this the type of people we want to influence our children? Some of those characters, we would not let them in our front door. We will let them into our sitting room, the television. We often use the phrase, if looks could kill. Well, looks do kill. If we look in the wrong place, it will kill our spiritual growth. We have to make a conscious effort to guard what goes in through our eyes. We have to seek God's help in avoiding everything that will weaken our defenses. Eve looked. We see she looked at the forbidden. She was near enough to, to see it. She made no effort to avoid it. It says there she saw that it was good for food. At the lusts of the flesh. It was pleasant to the eyes. The lusts of the eyes. It was desirable to make one wise. That's the pride of life. She grabbed the fruit, she took it, she ate it, and we see that spread, the sin spreads. We influence others by the decisions that we make in life. She gave it to her husband and he ate the fruit as well. And immediately they knew they were naked. They blatantly, deliberately disobeyed a command from God. And the moment they disobeyed, fear filled their hearts. Fear of being found out, fear of facing a holy God. And they hid from God. Fear gripped them. We see in chapter 2 and verse 25, there was no fear or shame before they'd sinned. And many to this day are gripped by fear. Fear of the future, fear of financial worries, fear of death, fear of cancer, fear of being found out in their sin. Eve fell for the devil's trap. Why? Because she was listening to the wrong voice. She was lingering in the wrong place. She was looking at the wrong thing. And I believe she was also lingering on the wrong thoughts. She looked, she considered the fruit. And she allowed it to affect her mind. She allowed it to affect her thoughts. She contemplated the benefits. Oh, she was going to become wise. And she made her choice. She considered it, she contemplated it, and she made that choice. She disobeyed a clear command from God's word. She made a conscious decision, I'm going to go for it. And that's where the battle is won over temptation. That's where the battle is won or the battle is lost. When the thought comes into our mind, what we do with that thought will determine the outcome, whether we experience victory or defeat over temptation. Do we linger upon that thought? Do we make the fatal mistake of giving the devil a foothold in our mind? God's word says, resist the devil and he will flee from us. But it's up to us to do the resisting. He has given us that free will. We can go with the temptation or we can go with God. 
Eve didn't resist. And to put it simply, no resistance equals no victory in the Christian life. We need to resist with God's help. The moment we recognize that the thought that is coming to us is of the devil, it is temptation, we need to resist. We need to verbally rebuke the devil in the name of Jesus because it is the name of Jesus is the only source and power of all of us and authority. We have no power of our own. We need to remember the devil and his demons have been tempting people for thousands of years. They know our weak points. We're no match for the devil. But praise the Lord, Christ is a match. And the Bible tells us there in, in uh, Colossians, Christ has spiled principality powers. He has made an, made an open shoot at the cross of Calvary when he cried, it is finished. As we look at Eve, she lingered on the temptation and she fed that temptation by lingering upon it. There's a man, Gary Oliver, and he says, the devil is out to trick us, sorry, out to, to trick us, to trip us, and to trap us. That's what he's out to do. We see Eve also, I think, was lusting or longing after the forbidden. And I think all of us, at some stage in our lives, are guilty of that. We lust or we long after the forbidden. See the story, say I'm in the story of David and Bathsheba. David looked upon Bathsheba. He was longing after the forbidden. He was lusting after the forbidden. And it's very easy sometimes for us to look at our neighbor's property and covet it or something else. But Deuteronomy 5 and verse 7 says, You shall have no other gods before me. Neither shall you desire thy neighbor's wife. Neither shall they covet thy neighbor's house, his field, his manservant, his maidservant, or anything that is the, of thy neighbor's. Are we longing after the forbidden? Be it a person, a position, or perhaps even property, or something else. And maybe we could be blaming others. As we look at this situation here that we read in Genesis 3, maybe we're blaming others for the situation we find ourselves in today. Verse 12, Adam blamed Eve. Adam blamed Eve. If you hadn't to give me the fruit, we wouldn't be in this mess. Verse 13, Eve blames the snake or the old serpent or the devil, whatever name you want to put on. In verse 12, Adam blames the wife. Sound familiar, ladies? Blame the wife. I haven't got mine of my own. Make my own stupid decision and then I'll turn around and blame the wife. That's exactly what Adam did. He blamed the wife. Men are still the same, blaming others. Pointing the finger of accusation. And then they have the audacity here to blame God. That's the audacity to blame God. God. Can't find it now, but it's there anyway. Uh, that Adam blamed, blamed God. And a lot of the problems we face in life are through our own bad choices. We don't give God his rightful place in our lives. Adam was warned, chapter 2 and verse 17, he was warned about the tree. 
before Eve was even appeared on the scene. In chapter 2 and verse 22, God created uh, one woman here for Adam. Here's God's ordained way for marriage. Something else we notice about Eve was she was leaning on her own strength. And we need to be careful that we seek God's strength in every situation in life, in every temptation in life. He has promised that we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. Greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. We are more than conquerors through him that loved us and gave himself for us. As soon as we think we can handle a particular temptation, we're destined to fail, we're destined to fall. We need to be on our guard. We need to know what is our weak point and guard that point. We've all got a weak point. For the, we're kind of looking at the puppets this morning. For the puppets, the weak point was theft. For some of us, it might be something completely different. Every single one of us have got a weak point, and we need to know what that weak point is. But we also need to be careful and guard our strong point, or what we think is strong. The area we think, oh, I would never in a million years fall to that temptation. <clears throat> That's my strong area. I, I would never do what the fellow down the road done. He ran off with his, somebody else's wife. Oh, I, I would never do that. Be careful. Be careful. Guard what you think is the strong point. The area of your life that you think the devil will never trip you up. Because that's sometimes the area he slips in and takes the feet right from under you. We need to put on the armor of God. As it says in Ephesians 6 and verse 13 to 18. We need to keep up that shield of faith. Because faith and fear cannot dwell in the same heart. We need to apply every piece of the armor of God by faith. So what are the lessons we can learn from this passage? Disobedience to God's commands is going to lead to disaster. Just one act of disobedience like David can ruin our lives and ruin the lives of our families. Because of Adam and Eve's disobedience, sin entered the whole human race. Where, wherefore, as by one man, sin entered into the world, and death by sin, so that death was passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. Chapter 3 and verse 17, Adam listened to his wife and did what she wanted instead of listening to what God wanted. Sin entered the human race, and because of our sin, we, because of their sin, we have inherited sinful nature. And we cannot come before our holy God. Adam and Eve's sin led to disobedience. Le sorry, led to disaster as far as the human race is concerned. God made us perfect. Adam and Eve were perfect, but they sinned. They broke a clear command. And I wonder this morning as believers, are we living in obedience to everything the Lord is saying to us in his word? Has he got the keys to every room in our lives or is there one door locked in your life one compartment one room in your life that's not the Lord's everything else is the Lord's but you say no 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 you're not having that area in my life we need to be living in total obedience their disobedience led to disaster 
their disobedience led to division. They were separated from a loving God, separated because of their sin. And we sinful people cannot come before a holy God. Your sins and iniquities have separated between you and your God. Their sin caused death. We read that in verse 21. God to kill an animal, take the skin of that animal and cover their nakedness. Blood had to be shed for their sin. And it says in Hebrews 9 and verse 22, without the shedding of blood, there is no remission. In the same way, the blood of Jesus Christ, God's son, had to be shed. He had to suffer. He had to die. He had to take our place. He died so that we could have eternal life in heaven. Their sin led to disaster, division, death, and disgrace. They were cast out of the Garden of Eden. Their sin brought disgrace. They were ashamed. They went and they hid from God. They couldn't stand before God in all his holiness. They were ashamed, embarrassed, disgusted by the way they had lived. They but there's no hiding from God. And there's no hiding from God for any of us either. We will face God at the end of lives, our lives. We will be judged as believers and we'll be judged as unbelievers. The judgment will be different, but we'll all be judged by God. I wonder this morning if you're not right with him. If you're not a Christian, will you acknowledge that your sin is causing disaster in your personal life? in your family life, in your home life, that your sin has caused a division between you and God, that your sin has caused the very death of the Lord Jesus Christ himself as he died there for you. Will you acknowledge that perhaps even your sin is bringing disgrace to you and your family? Will you acknowledge that you need Jesus Christ in your life? And if you're here this morning and you're facing temptation, Temptation is not sin. But temptation is sin when we yield to it. Let us remember every temptation is another opportunity to prove our love and to display our love by obeying God. It says in 1 Corinthians 10 and verse 13, No temptation has overtaken you except such as is common to man, but God is able to go away escape. 2 Peter 2 and verse 9 says that the Lord knows how to deliver the godly out of temptation. So let's in closing this morning remember this verse in 1 Peter 5 and verse 8. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Resist him, steadfast in faith, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brethren in the world. But, the, but may the God of all grace who has called you to his eternal glory by Christ Jesus after you have suffered a while, perfect, establish, and strengthen you and settle you. Let us remember this morning, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us and gave himself for us. Thank you. Let's just bow in a word of prayer. Dear Father, we just praise you and thank you that we're more than conquerors through him that loved us and gave himself for us. We thank you, Lord Jesus, that we all face temptation, but we thank you this victory is ours because of the precious blood of Jesus. We thank you, Lord, we don't fight the battle in our own strength, but we thank you, Lord, you've given us your Holy Spirit. You've given us the strength we need to be more than conquerors through him that loved us and gave himself for us. And we just pray, Lord, for any here this morning who are suffering and struggling with temptation. Help them to experience that victory, we ask. 
in Jesus' name. Amen.